Here's Elliott side by side down the back stretch. Chastain in turn one drives it in deep to the bottom. Problems along the front stretch. Kyle Larson gets sideways. He's young. He's informed. He's J.C. Fickenshire. And it's time now to raise the door on J.C.'s Garage. Welcome to J.C.'s Garage. I'm J.C. Fickenshire, joined by David Stiles. Christopher Bell wins his way into the next round into the playoffs in a must-win situation, and we cut the field down to eight playoff drivers remaining. The The four drivers that got cut out, I'm pretty surprised about one of them. Kyle Larson, Daniel Suarez, Austin Sindrick, and Alex Bowman. Pretty surprised Kyle Larson couldn't advance his way into the next round. He had a uh, had a problem on, on, on the car and uh, eventually didn't make his way in because of Christopher Bell winning and Chase Briscoe making his way through. I want to get your thoughts on that, David. Well, I mean, Kyle Larson had a pretty decent race. It just he came up short a little there at the end. And I was surprised as well that he did not make the round of eight because he had been pretty consistent all season. I mean, flirting inside the top ten in points all year long. But that's just the nature of the beast. We've seen how these particular rule sets for these playoffs, if you have a couple of bad races in a row, you're pretty much done. And he he had a good amount of points there leading up to the end of that race. And it in if it would have stayed green, he would have advanced. But then, you know, cautions breed cautions. And at the end of the race there in Charlotte, he ended up behind the eight ball and he got eliminated. So it's just the way the cookie crumbles. Yeah, it's, it's the way it ended up. Kyle Larson, obviously the uh, last year's champion of the Cup Series, expected him to go a far way in the playoffs, to to this round at least, but came a little short, obviously, due to Christopher Bell winning is is a big part of it. Him, big win for Christopher Bell to advance his way into the next round, and he looked really solid that day. He kind of got lucky with it, though. The two dominant cars of the day, A.J. Omdinger and uh, obviously Chase Elliott was dominant. They led a combined 55 laps, um, but... Towards the end, caution came out, and uh, cautions breed cautions. Both of them were kind of shuffled out. They were they were restarted uh, on the front row, both of them, on one of the restarts. Chase Elliott spun out in the infield section of the course, and A.J. Allmendinger got into the grass a little bit, lost a couple of positions that he never gained back. But uh, Christopher Bell being able to jump up on that opportunity, big for that team, and uh, we're going to see if he can make it happen, make it go all the way to the championship round. And I just want to clarify a little bit. Chase Elliott didn't spin out by himself. He had a little bit of help. Tyler Reddick ended up getting into his, uh, what is that, left, right quarter panel and ended up sending him into the middle of the uh, S's into the grass. And that was pretty much all she wrote. And Chase Elliott was pretty dominant all day in the race at the Roval. And he's, he's always good there. So it's not much of a surprise that he was having a great day. But we didn't really have any cautions up until about 10, 15 laps to go. And, I mean, he led 30 laps that leads all drivers that led laps in the uh, in the Bank of America Roval 400. So I think he probably had the best car. But when push come to shove, Christopher Bell got to the front. He was able to beat the closer in Kevin Harvick. And he took the lead there in the overtime restart. And he just drove away with it. I mean, he, he, no one really had a chance to contend with him there at the end. And... He joins a list of six other drivers who are in must-win situations. They pull off the Hail Mary, and they move on to the next round. 
Yeah, and a big way to beat off Kevin Harvick. Kevin Harvick was on the inside on that final restart and Christopher Bell on the outside. The Roval going into turn one, you don't want to be on the outside because Kevin Harvick can run you as wide as he wants. He can he can put you in that wall, and then he's alone going into the next corner. But Christopher Bell was able to stay side-by-side, side, barely made it through the first corner, but after that he, he got around – Kevin Harvick in turn two and was in front of him going into turn three. And, and you're not catching a car that day in the clean air. It was uh, it was pretty hard to pass. It was, uh, it was hard to catch up to a car, but the racing towards the end of the day was was really good. Those final restarts were really exciting. We saw plenty of – we saw multiple wrecks in turn one, a couple on the back straight away, uh, beating and banging on those last couple laps. It was fun to see these drivers try and uh, make their way through. And we saw – Chase Briscoe, he made his way through with a, a big move, it looked like, but we got a, we saw the penalty on Cole Custer. Uh, his teammate hit the brakes a little early going into the back chicane, held up Austin Dillon, which gave Chase Briscoe the opportunity to pass both of them, uh, making, being, get, making him advance to the next round of the playoffs. And I think, I don't know how, how I feel about the penalty. I think Obviously, Cole Custer did it on purpose. On the radio, they said you get a tire rub or you have a flat going down, slow down, slow down. I think that's just a key uh, a key word to say, slow down the car. Like right now, just stop. Just start slowing down so your teammate can get around you. Uh, because he did not have a tire going down and, and it wasn't flat. But do you think them being on the same team and, and that's a way for Sewer House Racing to advance their driver into the playoffs. Do you agree with what Cole Custer did in that team or do you disagree with what they did? Uh, I disagree with him doing that because at the end of the day, you're supposed to be racing your car for your sponsors, for your team to try to get the best possible finish that you can out of that vehicle. But in the same time, I understand that you have a guy that is on another car inside your team that is owned by your owners that is trying to advance for a chance to win a championship. So for me, I don't like it. I'm not a fan. It, it And it was obvious that it was deliberate. So for me, it just stood out way too much and he should be fine. But at the same time, you cannot find Chase Briscoe for being able to pass a few other cars because it's not his fault that his teammate did that. So he still controlled his own destiny. He was able to pass a few cars. He didn't get wrecked, and he moved on to the next round. So I don't have a problem with Chase Briscoe advancing, but I do have a problem with the way that it happened and the factor that Cole Custer played in it. And now that Chase Briscoe advances, do you see him as, as a threat to maybe be a dark horse to get into that final four round? We got Homestead, Las Vegas, and Martinsville coming up. Tracks that I could see him finishing well at, but do you see him being able to finish better than the guys he's got ahead of him in the, in the playoffs to make his way through? Well, the three drivers that he has ahead of him, and he's only nine points out uh, from fourth place, he has Denny Hamlin, who is arguably still one of the best racers that we have in the entire circuit right now. He's been really consistent, minus his poor start to the 2022 campaign. Then you have Ryan Blaney, who has yet to win a race, but seems to be able to just stay consistent, not get himself in trouble, and continue to advance in this in these this year's playoffs. And then the other driver that is above him is another car that has been extremely consistent, and they've won a couple races this year, and that's William Byron. And I think this has been Byron's best season overall. For me, I don't think Briscoe is going to have enough. I I 
that Stuart Haas camp has just not shown me enough this year. I think that the Penske Fords are a little bit better than them. And so if I, if I was going to give someone in this bottom four a chance to advance that was in that Ford camp, I would say that Blaney probably has the better opportunity, even though he doesn't have a win. And for me, I think that's the more interesting storyline anyway, is for Blaney to advance without a win and then be able to compete for the championship. And as we know, the person who usually wins the race in Phoenix will be the champion because everyone else just kind of not gets out of the way, but they don't really hold up those championship four drivers. So for me, out of this bottom four of Byron, Blaney, Hamlin, and Chase Briscoe, I think Blaney probably has the best chance out of the Ford camp to advance. And then between Byron and Hamlin, I don't really know. I mean, I it could go either way. But we've got four pretty good drivers that are in the top four right now with Elliott, Logano, Chastain, and Bell. I think if one of those were to fall out, I think it would be Christopher Bell. I'd have to agree, um, but but to a to a point because Christopher Bell, yes, he's he's been solid uh, towards the end of the season, but when when you look at these eight drivers, I think Chase Briscoe, Christopher Bell, William Byron, Denny Hamlin, I'd put those on the guys who I, I could see going out, uh, just because of their consistency. Their consistency just hasn't been as good uh, as the other four drivers, and. And you notice that in the entirety of the season. You you saw towards the middle, towards the late summer season, Christopher Bell was starting to fire off a little bit. But but everyone else, like Ross Chastain and William and Ryan Blaney and Chase Elliott, Joey Logano's been kind of that way. Um, but I, I'd say Chase Elliott, Ross Chastain, and, and Ryan Blaney have been consistent every single race. Doesn't matter where it is, doesn't matter what surface it's surface it's on. I think those three have been so consistent, and I could see Ryan Blaney snagging a win at one of these three racetracks, getting his first win of this season and advancing himself into the Final Four. The only thing I'd have on Chase Briscoe getting in is the the Fords have have been evened up a lot on, on the mile and a half, and so have the Toyotas. I think Chevy's been the strongest team this year, just like last year, but it's a, it evens up a lot on the mile and a half. And we've, we saw that at the Coke 600 where Chase Briscoe was able to run down Kyle Larson and battle him for the win. They ended up both wrecking each other, Chase Briscoe's fault. But I think Chase Briscoe is going to be able to have two shots to to get in. I'm not so sure about Martinsville. Martinsville's kind of a, a throw in the air. I'm, I'm not sure how that's going to be, if it's going to be any different to how it was earlier in the year. Um, but I'm, I'm expecting Homestead and Las Vegas to be uh, really even races between all the manufacturers and everyone who's in the, the playoffs right now. So I'm excited to see how we go uh, going into Las Vegas. I think Chase Briscoe has a shot there, but I'm just not sure as as how he compares to the other guys. I think Ryan Bellini, uh Joey Logano, Ross Chastain, and Chase Elliott, I think those guys will all advance after this round. Uh, I just think they're too consistent. Yeah, I agree. And when looking at this Las Vegas race, the South Point 400, we have to remember that Alex Bowman won this race in the spring, but it he, Kyle Busch says that he backed into it. And he, he did kind of get lucky there at the end because the Toyotas had led this contest pretty much all day. And I thought it was going to come down to a fight between former champions with Kyle Busch and Martin Truex Jr. And then the late caution comes out and Alex Bowman is able to get some track position. And then he has a really good restart and he goes on to win that race for the Chevy camp, which gives 
him his first win of the season, you know, back in the spring. So I, I don't think that we need to forget how good the Toyotas were at Las Vegas. And so I think it gives Christopher Bell a little bit of an edge going into this weekend. But at the same time, Denny Hamlin's in seventh. They're in a situation where they need to have a good opening first race of the round. They've only got three races left before the championship. And I think they need to get off on the right foot at Vegas. So I could see both the 11 of Denny Hamlin and the 20 of Christopher Bell having good weekends in Las Vegas. And at the same time, I don't think that Chase Briscoe, like I said before, he's not been consistent and he's a little bit of a aggressive at times. I mean, he had a chance to win the Bristol dirt race and he wrecks Tyler Reddick and then they both spin out in the infield and Kyle Busch collects a win. He did the same thing a few weeks later at another racetrack and the, uh, the location slipping my mind at the moment, but he had a chance to win that race and drove it in way too hard and wrecked the leader in himself again. And was the it a place car in Bristol dirt, maybe Bristol dirt was and, the first yeah, one where him and Reddit got together. Then, the other one was on a mile and a half. I think I think it was a 600. Cause he got into Larson towards the end of the race. Yeah. And, tried to try to pull a slide job on the inside. Uh, got him way too hot. Got onto the left rear of Larson's car and ended up wrecking both of them. Yeah. And so, I mean, he's, He's learning. He's still aggressive. I mm -hmm. like his driving style, but sometimes that's just not conducive to locking in consistent consistency-wise and scoring some points because I know everyone hates it when you say, well, they just need to have a good points day. But sometimes having a good points day is better than leaving yourself out to dry trying to go for the win. And if you get yourself behind an eight ball here in these next three races, it's going to be extremely hard to advance because I feel like the four drivers that will advance will be the most consistent and one of them will get in on points because we can't have four winners in this round. So you're going to have at least one driver making the championship round just on points altogether. But I could also see someone winning the Homestead race that is not currently still in the playoffs, like Tyler Reddick or maybe even Kyle Larson. They're both really good at Homestead. They like to ride around on the outside. And that track is just a little bit more conducive to their driving style. I honestly could see all three of these races won by a non-playoff driver. We can we can look at this Roval race, although the Roval is its own breed of track, nothing like it. But we're we're towards the end of the season where the teams who have drivers in the playoffs, we would see them on the top at every single track at this point in the season. Christopher Bell wins the race. He's a playoff driver. Kevin Harvick in second, not a not a playoff driver. Kyle Busch in third, not a playoff driver. AJ Allmendinger in fourth, not a playoff driver. Justin Haley, Chris Buescher, Bubba Wallace, Tyler Reddick. Chase Briscoe is the second playoff driver. He's in ninth. Austin Dillon behind him in 10th. Eric Jones in 11th. Corey LaJoy in 12th. So the list, you go down to 12th, there's only two playoff drivers. Denny Hamlin's after him. He's another playoff driver. You can look two more positions after that. But the fact that we have this many drivers outside of the playoffs competing for wins, competing for the top 10 positions, taking away points from playoff drivers each and every week, kind of scares me in the way if you're trying to have a point stake is it's it's hard to compete with these cars everything is so even this season that i would want to go into these races wanting to win more than going for playoff positions where you are battling cars that have nothing to lose and will take those spots away from you and if you come out of stage two and stage three with a third place finish or a second place finish it's good but somebody goes and wins then at las vegas and you only have a second and third playoff position 
in the two stages, that's good, but it takes away a spot that 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 just got locked in. Now there's three spots left. You have a bad race at any of the racetracks. You're in a must win going into the last race. So I I would like the fact that if you're any if you're in any position in the playoffs besides maybe Chase Elliott having a 31 point advantage over the cut line. I would want to go into every race having a winning car, going for the win, not really focusing on points. Well, the problem with that is is that Chase Elliott has had bad opening races to every single round this year in the playoffs, and he's fallen down to almost the cut line in every single uh, round of the playoffs, and he's used up all of his cushion. But then when the points reset, he goes back to the top because he's the regular season champion and he has the most points overall. So I think that needs to be remembered. If he comes out and has a couple of bad races in a row, he's going to get eliminated in this round because you're cutting the field in half. So. To me, if I'm Chase Elliott, I'm going to try to do the the best thing that I can to keep myself in a good running position, not, you know, get caught up in something, scrapyard my car, have a DNF, because if you lose that many points in this round, you're going to force yourself to be in a situation mm-hmm. like Christopher Bell was, and you're going to have to win a race. And that's extremely hard to do. We've seen it all year long. The parody, like you said earlier, could not be better. And it really shows that everyone in this top series has a lot of talent. So for me, if I'm looking at these other, you know, I'm one of these eight drivers. I'm looking at the other seven competitors, and I don't know if I could pick four of them right now that I could tell you, okay, they're definitely moving on. I don't think anybody is safe, even though he has a 31-point cushion. That could evaporate quickly if you have two bad races back-to-back or you just have a bad race in the first race, you do well in the second race, and then something happens like what happened to Kyle Larson at the Roval where all of a sudden he was in and he was up 12 points and then he gets shuffled to the back because of all the cautions at the end and gets caught up in something and they break something inside of your car or these tow links we've seen them all year they've been really sensitive and all of a sudden you're 31st down five laps and that's it you're done so i don't think anyone is safe even though they have a 31 point lead and like i said before elliot has shown time and time again that he well, he could have a bad race to start off the the next three races and then that puts himself kind of behind the eight ball and he has to catch back up because he barely squeaked by this last time getting into this round if he hadn't had the stage wins and the extra points throughout the day on this past Sunday. Yeah, I agree. But the thing with Chase Elliott is the first race at Darlington, that the opening playoff race, um, his his bad finish was all on his fault. He ended up spinning the car out and wrecking it himself. But at Texas in the second round, when we opened that race up, that's due to a tire, something he can't really control. We can blame it maybe on the crew chief for setting the air pressures at this number and it being too low or too high, and that's why the tire failed. But it was a failure on the car, not something that he can really control, but it, it's out of his possibility to control it. So... If he goes into Las Vegas this weekend, and it, it could be a bad race because he has a parts failure. Anything can really happen. We've seen tons of failures in parts on different cars through the playoffs, uh, depending on where, whether it's tires or the tow link. It, it well, doesn't really matter. This past weekend, the power steering. Yeah. The power steering went power out on Power steering on both Suarez's track car. cars. Yeah. And, and I think that's also a little scary to see if you're Ross Chastain going for your first ever championship, being a 
uh, one of the favorites to go all the way. It, both of your cars in your team had the same issue, which is it's definitely odd. It's you, you'll see that from maybe one of your cars or or uh, uh, different failures on different parts on one of the teams, but both of them to be the same issue is is a little weird and i know it's a road course and it's the last one we'll see but it, it, you got to be hoping that none of these nothing happens to your cars in these next three races because this is the one round that if you have a failure you are not going to recover from it unless you win a race and it's so hard to win this year that you cannot have a failure you gotta you gotta be perfect in every single race at every single point and and the guys who you look at to be perfect are the veterans which you look at these these drivers you don't see a lot of old veterans you see joe well, Logano, I mean, he's up there as a veteran i was gonna say Hamlin, Logano. But, but Chase Elliott, he's had, won a championship. I, I don't know, but these guys are all young, so I, I'm pretty interested to see how they take this. And kind of to piggyback off with your what you were saying, Logano is a veteran. He's just a young veteran, but he's also been super sneaky and consistent. I mean, he he's finishing races. He's not having as many issues as everybody else, and we saw that in the last round. He when Chase Elliott had the problem. Who was the one leading the points? It was Logano. And then, oh, he's locked himself in because he's, you know, got enough points. And he won a stage in the Roval. So he's doing things to set himself up for success and to have these good point days and to keep himself running consistently inside the top 10, top 15. And it's paying dividends for him. And I think that Joey could end up winning another championship this year. I mean, he's... Like I said, he's been sneaky consistent. And someone else that I'm kind of watching out for is Ross Chastain. He's been very quiet here of late. This actually may be his round where he shows up and, and wins a couple races. But like I said earlier, I don't have a favorite right now to win the championship out of these eight drivers. I think it's extremely hard to pick one of them that I think is going to shine in this next round and then go on to win at Phoenix. Yeah, and the thing that I think Joey has over all of these drivers, maybe besides Denny Hamlin, but Joey has won at the four tracks that we are going to see in the next four weeks. He won at Las Vegas multiple times, the spring race, but still, you have wins at that track. He won at Homestead to get his first championship. He won at Martinsville to advance himself to have a shot to win that first championship. And he won at Phoenix in the spring race last year. So I think... Having a win at every single track, being good, being capable to win at every single track that you have left is very helpful, uh, especially when you're fighting for another championship, especially being 11 points to the good. He's in a good spot compared to everyone else. He's Obviously, you can't be in Chase Elliott's position being 31 to the good, but it's good to be right where you're at, 11 points to the good. Something happens, you're still in a recoverable position. So I think I'd have him as one of the favorites to advance on just because of his experience at, in, in general and at these three tracks that we have left. And then Ross Chastain, he's been very consistent all year round. We've seen the, the dirt guys, the guys who have a very uh, aggressive driving style be good at these mile and a halfs, and having two of them left is, is good to see for him. Um, but it's, it's really hard to pick a guy who – pick four guys and, and lock it down. Yeah, I agree. And I mean, it's just, it's just one of those things where it's just so hard to pick. I wanted to ask you about this. Um, there's been rumblings. There's been rumors. 
do you think Kurt Busch is going to retire at the end of the 2022 season? I hate to say it, but I think the way it's looking right now, I could see Kurt Busch retiring, see Bubba Wallace staying at 23XI, and Tyler Reddick moving over one year earlier before his contract says he would be moving. I just think it, it would make sense for the teams. It would mean that um, it would mean that RCR wouldn't have to fund another ride for Tyler Reddick to to have and if rcr doesn't even have a ride for him i'm pretty sure 2311 would help get him a seat in a car in the cup series so the way kurt bush is now he's i've seen him at the racetrack at almost every i was at north wilkesboro he was there uh this past weekend at the roval he was there so he's been around he's walking around talking to every driver uh still in the sport i just don't know if i could see him uh coming back it would it would be a health risk again you you already had a concussion if it happens again you could be uh in severe brain damage and and it's a very serious thing and the way that the cars are right now if they don't change the safety in the car which the cars are driving perfect they're they're amazing but safety is the number one thing so as of right now the cars are not safe and when they hit back into the wall and if it happens again which it's possible it, it could jeopardize his life. And I, I would just have it hard to be that a guy like him, he's already sustained himself as a, as a champion. He's already going to be in the hall of fame. Uh, he has, he has nothing to really, to really prove. I, I don't see him running next year. Yeah. And I know Lee Spencer reported that Tyler Reddick, his contract has been bought out from RCR and he will join 2311 next year and they're expected to announce that at Las Vegas this coming weekend. And if that is true, I do think that Kurt Busch will end up stepping away. And a lot of people think, well, this is good. He's an older driver. It's time for him, you know, to go out to pasture. He's done a lot with his career. And they're and they're right. I mean, he's had a very storied career. He's raced at multiple different teams. And everywhere he's been, he's had a lot of success. I mean, he's been at Penske. He was at Furniture Row. He's raced a little bit everywhere and everywhere he's been he's been extremely successful but at the same time he is the last link to a, a bygone era that connects so many of our fans to the sport he is the last active driver to have raced with Dale Earnhardt Sr. and there are no more active members of the inaugural 2004 chase for the cup um you know, when they, when it was still owned by Sprint and they, they started the chase, he, none of them are active anymore. And the only one that is, is Kevin Harvick. And he is the only driver left that raced under the Winston cup banner. That will be Harvick at once uh, Kurt Busch retires. So Kurt Busch stepping away from full-time driving. I know that it's a necessity for his health and, and I don't want him to put his health in danger or his life in danger. So I completely understand if he decides to step away. But like I said, he is the last remaining link to anyone that has raced that is currently active with Dale Earnhardt senior. And that, that to me, that's a big deal. And, and also adding on the problem for him is, is not finding a competitive ride. It doesn't matter where he goes. He's going to be competitive. We saw it this year in the 45 car, multiple races. He was battling for the win. He had a win. He was going to be in the playoffs, but he he wants to race. I know I know he wants to race. And 
it's it's hard because a guy like him who's older but he's still in it he still can compete uh but it's just it's health's on the line and health is obviously over racing and I, I don't see him coming back and and I hope he can come back at some point maybe race a a, a Daytona 500 or something like that come back for a, a one race deal but I I just find would find it hard to believe that he'd come back for a full season I could see him doing a kind of a limited schedule sort of how Dell Jr. does where he, he'll drive an Xfinity race every year or I know that um Dell Jr. wants to do more late model stuff. And so I could see him transitioning in to something of that nature. But for me, he's he's been one of my, you know, go-to guys on the track that I look for. And I he to me he just does really well. And he's he's come so far too in character. And to me, he's just he's one of those guys that you have learned to love over the years. I mean, he was a very polarizing figure there for a while. And so I just have a lot of respect for him as a race car driver. And he does a lot of good for a lot of people. And he does a lot of it behind the scenes. And to me, that's just the mark of a champion. So big shout out to Kurt Busch. Uh, hope that he gets to feeling better soon. And also to Alex Bowman. I know that he was eliminated in this round because of concussion symptoms as well. So uh, hopefully both of those guys can make a full recovery and uh, Bowman can get back in the car. So rolling into Las Vegas, we have a new round starting, round of eight. Do you think we can guess a correct driver this this race? Uh, I've been really close. I thought I was going to get Keselowski uh, at Bristol, but then he had the tire issue because he ended up staying out and the tire wore out. But then his teammate, Chris Buescher, ended up winning. So I feel like I was really close. And then I, I was pretty good about saying that we, will, we would have more than three non-playoff drivers win in the playoffs, and that came into fruition. So I've... I've been pretty lucky, I guess you could say. I, I was able to gaze into the crystal ball, but I've yet to pick a correct race winner, so I have no confidence in myself to make a good, solid pick. Um, I think that it'll end up being a Toyota driver. And if I've got to pick one, I think that Kyle Busch will win in his hometown of Las Vegas. I like that. I like that pick a lot. Uh, I, I like going the Toyota way, but I'm not sure if I can commit to it. Um, but a guy, I don't know. I, I think I have to pick it. And we saw it last year, or last year, last in the spring race at Las Vegas, Kyle Busch and another Toyota driver were battling for the win. And it was going to be one of them winning the race. And I'm going to go with Martin Truex. I think Martin Truex will get his first win of the year, making it 20 drivers, uh, 20 drivers with a win this year. And... I, I think it will happen. I think it's going to be a Toyota driver. I have a feeling. I'm I'm not sure. It's it's going to be a, a good race. We know these cars have been really good at the mile and a half. And uh, we saw at the, at the Las Vegas in the spring race, it was an amazing race. A lot of cautions, though. But the racing is going to be great. And I think it could be anybody. Anybody could win this race. It's going to be a really competitive race. I think Martin Truex uh, will take it. I'm really excited for this round. I think these three races back-to-back -back with Las Vegas, Homestead, and then Martinsville leading up to Phoenix, I think this is probably the best round in the playoffs, minus what we just had. Because, you know, Talladega Roval, it's hard to beat those two races back-to-back. -back, but I think mm -hmm. these three races in this round are going to decide who is going to race for the championship. And it will. So I'm excited yeah. for it. 
I think that round that we just went through, Texas, Talladega, and the Roval, will be the most chaotic round of this playoffs. I think this will be the most, um, I guess, and you can't really call it entertaining, but it's going to be just as entertaining, and I think it's going to be the most um, competitive round. I, I think it will. These these three tracks are are really, really good. They, they have the history that they are have had really good races, and I think going into these three races, we're going to see amazing races. We might see new winners. We might see underdog winners we might see dark horses but thanks for joining me david uh we're gonna tune in next week we're gonna review the las vegas race and talk about homestead which will come up after it um but yeah thanks for joining the garage <laughs>